Back after it here in the Hammer Down Show. 1017 The Hammer, 1017 TheHammer.com. I am Jared Jesselitis. Let's head on over to our Hammerhead Hotline. We're going to bring in a guy who I absolutely love because, first off, very, very smart guy, very um, in tune with this team, and always really is able to bring good perspective, I think, uh, when it's all said and done. Brian Newbert, GoldenBlack.com, is on with us. Brian, how are you, bud? Pretty good. How are you, Jared? You know, uh, it, it still stings a little after last night, uh, but uh, you are right. It is just a basketball game, but, uh, you know, we're trying to uh, d- to process what happened last night. I mean, fantasy, <laughs> where, where did this come from? Where has this been? Uh, 20 points for him. I, I think you feel good as a local guy here a little bit that, uh, you know, the former Mavericks, the guy that does you in, but at the same time, it, that offers a little solace. Uh, I mean, what was your immediate thoughts uh, after he knocks down that shot? Jaden almost knocks it in for three to to save the day there, and uh, the fans rush the court. What goes through your head? Well, I was just trying to get to the press conference. Uh, the Indiana setup for for media, especially where they sit me, is very, very difficult. So I, I guess I didn't really have any time to sit back and think. But um, obviously – a disappointing loss for Purdue. Purdue was going to lose to Indiana eventually. I mean, it, it was going to happen um, at some point. And, you know, driving back from Bloomington this morning, the sun was shining. There were no zombies, you know, flooding the streets. And uh, life does go on. I know people don't want to hear that. But this was going to happen eventually. It's just it's un- unfortunate from Purdue's perspective because you'd been getting better since that Wisconsin game. And so much of where you got better – kind of failed them at Indiana. Now, Assembly Hall does this to people. I mean, it has been doing this to people for decades. Um, Purdue, you know, had seemed relatively immune to it because they've had so much success there the last few years, but I don't think that changes the fact that, you know, Purdue went in there with an experienced team and that, you know, for for 10 minutes of the first half there uh, during that stretch that really decided the game. Um, that 14 to nothing run Indiana had before halftime. Uh, Purdue lost its poise. Purdue lost its composure. Purdue turned the ball over too much. Purdue missed too many free throws. You know, stuff like that. Now, you can point to the free throws as the difference in the game, but Indiana missed 10 free throws, too, so they could say the same thing. The issue for Purdue was they just turned the ball over too much, and that was a November issue, you know, where they weren't valuing possessions the way they were. I do think you have to give Indiana a lot of credit. That was a tougher, more competitive team than than Purdue has seen from Indiana in the last half decade or so when they've had some success against them. Uh, there was a resilience to them. And uh, in terms of Robert Fennessy, um, you know, this rivalry has a funny way of making unlikely heroes. I mean, look at Purdue over the years. Sterling Carter, Bryson Scott, Basil Smotherman. They've all been that kind of rando who goes off against the rival. And, it just seems like that's just part of the part of the history of this rivalry. I mean, I'm, that, that was a really big moment for Fennessy, I'm quite certain. I'm sure he didn't want to end his career having never beaten Purdue. Um, I'm sure this was the moment of his Indiana career, one that's seen him recruited over not once but twice here the last couple of years. Uh, you know, he's a senior backup now, and, uh, you know, he, he really carried Indiana um, through them not having their best player. This is – this is two games in a row now for Purdue. They've gotten the other team's best player in foul trouble, and it's probably hurt them uh, because it's forced the opponent to go more guard-oriented, shoot more threes, and you know it almost it almost propelled 
Illinois to a win the other day, and it did propel Indiana to a win the other day too. Purdue's got to get better defensively. I mean, that, that's that's been the story all season long. They seem to be trending okay after Wisconsin, but they took a big step back. And you bring up that uh, extra guard scenario, something I think a lot of us were talking about on Twitter last night, but you look at the guard uh, situation for Purdue coming off the bench last night. Brandon Newman, five minutes, three fouls, a turnover, no points. Um, Ethan Morton, seven minutes, uh, no points, uh, a turnover and a foul. Eric Hunter Jr., 0 for 2, 16 minutes, one rebound, uh, a turnover and a foul. Purdue, I feel like, just has to do something about this uh the, the guard, Jaden Ivey, as good as he is, but can't can't compensate for all this. I mean, Sasha didn't shoot the ball well either. What does Matt Painter do to kind of get this uh, these guards going here? Is it time to limit the rotation? Well, if if the bench keeps playing like the bench played last night, then he's going to have to. But I can't really make sense of what happened last night in terms of everyone who came off the bench for Purdue struggling. Uh, I don't know if that was environmental. I don't know if that was just the randomness of college basketball or what. But no one who came in off the bench for Purdue was particularly good last night. Uh, Brandon Newman, Ethan Morton, Trayvon Williams, Eric Hunter. Um, you know, Caleb Purse is dealing with some circumstances. Mason Gillis was really good. So uh, there's not as much to say about that one. I think, you know, people tend to pick on Purdue's guards. And, you know, Purdue's guards are you know, other than Jaden Ivey are, you know, they do have their limitations. Uh, I, I think Sasha Stefanovic has become a genuinely very good college player. I think people don't give him the credit he deserves, but people tend to blame, you know, Purdue's point guards for a lot of things that maybe aren't always Purdue's biggest issue. I think sometimes that's kind of a red herring. Oh, the point guards aren't scoring. Well, we're, you know, people are talking about that when Purdue's, per, you know, there have been a couple of games this season where people have fixated um, on Purdue's fifth option offensively not scoring when the other team's first option is getting 30. And, you know, there, there's a real imbalance there. The things that really affected Purdue yesterday were turnovers, and that wasn't the guards. Um, you know, Travion Williams had four in the span of, I think, five possessions at one, five or six possessions at one point, mm-hmm. something like that. The guards were cert- certainly part of it. It was it was a team wide deal, um, but I don't think Eric Hunter and Isaiah Thompson, you know, uh, not scoring all that much. And and Isaiah Thompson had eight points. He made a couple big threes, made a big layup before the half. I don't think that was Purdue's issue. Now, when you look at Purdue getting roasted by Indiana's point guards, um, that's not just kind of man to man stuff. You can't just look at at the box score and say, okay, their point guard scored this. That must have been this guy's fault. Purdue's team defense, Purdue's ball screen defense, really, really struggled last night at times. And I thought that was largely on the front court. I, I didn't think those guys did what they were always supposed to do and help. Um, you can't guard a guy when you're getting pride off him, um, you know, by a ball screen. Uh, you can get through it and all that stuff, but at some point in time, you need help. And I didn't think Purdue. Uh, did a very good job doing that. I think that, you know, Purdue had looked much better uh, the last three games following the Wisconsin game in that area. They looked more cohesive. They looked more connected. They looked more prepared than they had prior. And as I said before, they just took a big step backwards uh, last night. I don't know why. Maybe that was environmental. I have no idea. But that was Purdue's reality last night. 
We're talking with uh, Brian Newbert from GoldenBlack.com here on the Hammerhead Hotline. Right, let's get to the other thing last night that uh, a lot of people brought up and, and wanted some answers for. The decision to go with uh, Trey Williams, who you know, had looked like he had been struggling uh, throughout the evening over Zach Eady down the stretch. I know Matt Painter's kind of called him his closer. This is what he has been doing. But you know, looking at the way the winds were blowing in that game, you just felt like, I mean, at least to me, I, I thought Zach Eady was having a whole lot more success than Trey was. Uh, did Matt Painter talk about that decision at all, and, and what did you think about the move to bring Trey in down the stretch as opposed to leaving Zach in? Yeah, his reasoning was that um, you know Zach Eady was struggling so much at the foul line. Um, now, obviously, Trayvon Williams historically has never been a great foul shooter either, but I, I don't see how you can really second-guess this all that much. Trayvon Williams has taken three shots prior to that last shot, and I don't think that's a big enough sample size here to extrapolate in terms of what a guy's going to do in the final minute. Trayvon Williams has carried Purdue in situations like that for the better part of the last two years. That is your guy in those situations. It always has been, and I don't want to say it always will be, because the last two games, you know, I think Purdue was two or three more baskets from him on shots he makes 70% of in his career away from never even coming close to overtime at Illinois. And then, obviously, he gets the position he wants. He gets the look he wants in the last minute. I don't know what happened on that shot. I don't know if he was – he didn't know where he was on the floor, but it looked like, you know, just a complete malfunction in terms of his positioning uh, as he turned around for the shot and kind of missed everything. But Trayvon Williams has been delivering in those situations for years. And I, I – don't really get the logic in people saying because he was one of three from the floor prior to that. I know he struggled in the Illinois game, but you know I think Illinois had probably something to do with that. But he, those are shots he's going to make more often than not. I, I don't know why he's not made them the last two games, but to go into that decision and say that you're going to take out your senior who has delivered in those situations time and time again um, seems like the definition of hindsight being 2020 to me. Um, but, you know, that being said, Purdue got so much for Zach Eady, um in that game that they should have gotten points out of, but his inexplicable struggles at the foul line really, really hurt them. He was a 71% foul shooter last season as a freshman. I think everybody thought he was a revelation as a foul shooter because you don't see people that big with that kind of stroke and that kind of touch. Uh, he's shooting 50% in Big Ten play right now, which is really, really hard hard to explain. Um, Purdue just had a, had a real productivity gap at its most important position last night between Edie struggling on the foul line and Travion Williams struggling on the shot on his bread and butter type of shots. Um, Purdue just needs more from that position, but I I, I don't think there was really a clear cut answer um, in terms of who needed to be out there at the end. Um, Hindsight's always twenty twenty, but I don't think I would strongly question the fact Trayvon Williams was out there because that's the situation Trayvon Williams has been thriving in for uh, you know years now at Purdue. Brian Newbert of GoldenBlack.com. Again, I'm a subscriber. I love the site. Uh, Boiling Over is great this week, especially because a lot of folks are uh, asking a lot of questions about uh, football coaches as well and uh, who could be targets and. Of course, uh, Brian does a great job of uh, of recruiting. I love reading that stuff, Brian. You, you do such a great job with it. And like I said, if you're not a subscriber, you really should be because 
Uh, like I said, sometimes we all need Brian to uh, put things into perspective when we can't do it. And that's exactly what you just did here, buddy. This has got to be one of the best talks I think I've ever had with you. You really put a lot of things in perspective for me. No problem, Jared. Anytime. <laughs> it's cheaper than therapy, I promise you, the subscription. Uh, Brian <laughs> Newbert, goldenblack.com. Buddy, it's always a pleasure. Uh, enjoy your weekend. All right, man. I'll bill your insurance. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> oh, gosh. There goes my copay. All right. Uh, we got to take a break. We're going to come back and uh, we'll discuss uh, a little bit more with that game and uh, digest what Brian had to say. Plus, uh, take a look at some best bets for uh, this weekend's uh, NFL divisional matchups. That's coming up next here on the uh, Hammer Down Show 1017 The Hammer, 1017.com.